Sometimes the best thing for your business is to change it entirely. Welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, where we'll share our insights on how to make more money, how to help more people, and how to be a better leader for your business and your community. We've been in this game since 1992, and we'll share our successes and failures along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Matt is back in the house. That's right. What's cracking? I know you didn't miss me, but I'm back anyway. Kick me um, out. Yeah. Well, listen, if you've got to travel around and help other gyms be successful, then you've got to do it. That's right, man. It's a good trip. So I'm glad to to see you. Notre Dame. I know. We didn't even go to the campus. Well, you know, I had to get back for a meeting and didn't have time. That's how dedicated (laughs) employee I am. Well, if you ever talk to, and now you know this, if you ever talk to someone that doesn't travel, and you're like, oh, I went to San Francisco for a conference. And they're like, oh, did you go see Alcatraz? Did you go here? Did you go up to the wine country? I'm like, I could have been in Iowa because I went from the airport right. to the hotel, which was attached to the conference center. I literally never went outside for two days, right? So that's typically what it's like. And then when you travel a bunch, you you know, if you're you know thinking vacation everywhere, you go and you come back. So I get it. I legit could have walked from the airport to the gym. Oh, was that's that close? close it was. Yeah. I was, I was like, all right, guys, I'm getting an Uber. And they're like, well, the airport's just right there. Right. Like, we'll you, drop you off. I'm you like, can see it. You people take people to the airport here? <laughs> How far is that? It's not like what you do in Atlanta. If you're taking somebody to the airport in Atlanta, you are a very nice person. I know. I've done it once for our, my <laughs> buddy Jared, who lives in um, Sydney, Australia. And, I was, and he was leaving at the crack of dawn. But I'll never do it again, Jared. So if you ever come back to town, you're going to have <laughs> to Uber your ass fun. to the airport. Yeah. No, it's terrible. It's a terrible <laughs> trip in Atlanta. I'll never do it again. <laughs> so you're welcome, but never again. <laughs> Well, listen, let's get down to business. So today we're going to talk about um, changing your business model. Should you and why um, you should change your business model? And of course, like a lot of other podcasts we've done in the last probably six months, a lot of this was inspired by a chapter from Road Less Stupid, which yeah. can't recommend it enough. You guys, if you haven't read it, pick it up. But um, this was something that rang true with me and you because we have changed our business model, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the chapter he describes like sometimes when you're trying to fix a problem, like if profits are are low, sales are weak, leads are down, instead of looking at your business model, you just you have all these sunk costs and these mental barriers and, and you want to keep doing what you're doing. So quite often, and we've been guilty of this in the past, is you just double down on your on your current efforts. So you do more marketing, more sales, right? right. More complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, because you feel like that's okay, well if this isn't working, I just need to do more of it. Sometimes that's the answer, but yeah. I, for the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to stress um stress test that by saying, you know, maybe it's your actual business model. So, you know, one thing that's funny about us is um when we were moving to personal training, so imagine um, a model where we we had eight thousand square feet, and we did a do it on your own membership, which we used the app for virtual. We had a class based team training under the same roof. We had small group personal training, which is our specialty, and then we had a little bit of one on one training. So really, like four levels of service going on in the same building. And when you look at now in hindsight, look at the level of complexity to run those multiple layers at the same time through manpower, which is an expense, right? Right. Um, and all the other, I and mean, people just underestimate, they're like, oh yeah, that's cool. I can offer all these things in my market and I'll be more profitable and uh, you know, I'll, I'll make more top line revenue. But when you look at this, the schedule inefficiencies, the uh, amount of cost it took to run all these specialty programs, it was like, it wasn't worth it. It was like very time consuming. It was, which means it was very expensive from a labor standpoint. And 
all we were doing to fix it at times was just continue to do more of what we're doing right. and not really examine it. And as we started to say, okay, well, we're going to move to franchising. What's, what's the one thing that we do that we've learned worldwide is our special sauce? Where's there a gap in the market? It's here. Then we start drilling down on that. It was like, it, it was funny that we would be in these meetings and we would be trying to solve current problems, knowing where we're headed. And then we would look at each other and be like, stronger one. Because <laughs> it would solve everything, right? right. And it was right. the business model change that fixed everything, not doubling down on the same thing. So the purpose of today is to say, well, we'll give you a couple of lenses to put on to look at your business. Right. Maybe your problems aren't doing doubling down on what you're already doing. Maybe the problem is your actual business model. And would you be willing to blow it up and build something different yep. for the sake of more profitability, more simplicity, more scalability, right. that type of thing? Yeah, right. this is the this is the businesses that have been around for a while. I mean, we've been here for 30 years, been through many changes. I remember we've had so many conversations like, if I opened up the gym today around the corner, what would we do, you know? And it was always back to <laughs> what we've actually done, but it's still, I mean, the human nature is I've got sunk cost. We've got clients in these other verticals yep. that have been here forever, yep. you know? It's like, it's oh, they're going to be change. mad. Yep. What, what are they going to say? And it's like, okay, at the end of the day, we're trying to solve a problem for our market, a right. gap in the market, and we need to have the most efficient, um, effective machine built around that. And mm -hmm. that is not what we were doing. We were just hung up on the, again, the we'll idiosyncrasies. We'll do of, this. We'll, <laughs> we'll add this. We'll do that. And it's like everyone was labor and complexity. And it was like, yeah. why are we not looking at the most obvious change we could make to have a more profitable business, which is just, let's just pare it down to the thing that is mo the most successful, the stickiest clients pay the most. They're happier and get better results. But Our profit your margins baby, are better. You grew it. You don't want to throw it out. No. Well, exactly, right? <laughs> we talked about this in a, in a previous podcast. Yeah. It's like you're somewhat married. You know, you your business is your baby. You're the mother of your business. And so your baby is so cute, you know, mm. but like, it, you know, honestly, it might not be that cute. So you might want to think about, you know, retooling the whole thing. So he went over five different points. We'll kind of just mm. use the same ones um, and then talk to him through our lens. So first one is resources. So when you're really looking at your current business model, like what are the resources needed to drive your business model? And if you just double down on marketing and sales, is it really going to fix your problem? And when I mean resources, it's like labor, right? Mm -hmm. Time invested. Yep. And labor is time and money, but time, literal time, like how much time is it going to take to continue to do what we're doing and create more activity inefficiently, right? right? And then money. So how much more money is it going to take? So if you're sitting on a model where you need 600 members because you're in a boot camp model and you're sitting at 300 cost of acquisition you know new customer acquisition is is a challenge for all fitness businesses at times if that's the case you know are you really going to double down on all of your efforts and is that going to fix your business model or is it that you're charging too little right and and you're servicing people in the wrong way right so resources first two would be time again how long is it going to take to mm -hmm. get, again, if I'm sitting on a 300 member model, I come out of COVID and I'm like, all right, you know, we're down to 300 members. And we've talked to gym owners that are like this, that own boot camps or whatever. I need to get back to 650 to be at the profit margins that I need to. It's like, okay, so you need to more than double. How long is that going to take? Right. And if they're, we've talked about good studios doing a net 15 per month plus. So if you, in those models, turn out a little higher. So let's say you sold 30, right? But you turned out 15. You're a net 15. Yep. That would be a good pace. So how long is it going to take you to get another three and a half, you know, 350 it's members? It's going to take three years. Well, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, okay, how much time has to be invested, right. right? Next would be volume. You know, how much volume of revenue do you really need right. to make money? And I would say even profit. 
on the back end. So what we found in looking at, you know, what we're calling stronger one, which is our franchise model is that if we just pared it down to that, we had higher paying customers at a much higher margin, mm-hmm. right? So it means that we didn't have to do as much volume. And we've, we've talked about this. I talk about it with candidates. It's a lot of times in the fitness business, you're in the marketing business and you just so happen to service that revenue by doing fitness. And we feel that way, right? right? Well, once you get into a model where it's a build and hold, you actually get to be in the fitness business. So you're in the business of taking care of clients, right. not always on this hamster wheel of churn right. looking for new client acquisition, right? Uh, so not, with a, not a marketing business that does fitness. You know, and and it's so funny. Hustle. I was talking to, <laughs> I was talking to a candidate, um, you know, since I've been doing sales and I said, listen, a lot of fitness businesses are marketing businesses that just so happen to do fitness, but we are a fitness business. So we ramp well and then we hold and then that's, we can actually do what the business promises, which is fitness, right? And that's right. kind of fun. It's nice to, it's a fun, gratifying business to be in to change lives. Mm-hmm. If I just want to be in the marketing business, I might want to go into something more lucrative, you know, right. other than fitness. And the candidate I was talking to starts laughing. He's like, that's so funny because I talked to, you know, we won't name them, but I talked to so-and-so, a different fitness franchise, and they literally said, we're more of a marketing company that does fitness. I'm like, well, did that sound exciting to you? Like, do you just, do you want to open a marketing agency or do you want to be in the fitness business? Right. And and there is a difference, right? It sounds the same, but there's a difference, uh, different sort of lens on it. Right. Different emphasis. One thing like, um, with the resources and time, I mean, everybody has, and even if your business is doing fairly well, everybody has the ego, want to grow, grow, grow. I'm going to have more members and more things. But what you have to think about is all the cost that goes with that. So it's like we talk about here, stronger one, it's very simple, right? You got your manager runs a place. He also trains also servicing revenue. You start bringing in a bunch of members and then guess what? Maybe then you have to have a manager who's not servicing revenue. Then you got a front desk. Well, we've even seen it like there's, and this is no, no, thy numbers, right? Where if you're in a a model where you just, you have a lower labor model and the actual sales person can also service revenue, like Mm -hmm. the stronger one model, right? You're very efficient. And it yep. makes your overall labor costs very low as a percentage of your revenue. Just moving from, say, th- that one into a larger model, because there is, even at a low churn rate, there is a certain amount of churn that now has to be mitigated by more sales. Right. You now have to add an entirely new position that is not servicing revenue. It's literally just a retention and or sales position yep. only. And so you, when we put those numbers into a detailed performa for us, we are almost at the same amount of profit, right? If both are healthy, that's saying, can you get to that higher volume? And if you do, you're not making any more money than you were in a much simpler model that had a much quicker ramp time, right? right? So those are the things that I think people don't think about. They just think top line revenue. They don't think about complexity. And it's like, you know, things like I want to add a shake bar. I'm like, well, have you ever run the real metrics on a shake bar, (laughs) right? Because if you don't have high enough volume of visits, if you're a small personal training place Mm -hmm. and you're going to put a shake bar in there, terrible idea. Who's going to make the shakes? So now you're going to pay somebody to be at the desk to do not much else except make a few shakes. (laughs) Terrible idea, right? It's cutting into your margins, right? Right. And the volume of shakes, even though your margins might be 100%, maybe it costs you $3 and you're selling your shakes for $6 or $7, you're not going to sell enough of them. Right. In, a, in a smaller volume facility. So does a shake bar work in a, in a, you know, a big 10,000 member gym? Damn right. 
Does it work in a 200 member gym? It does not Mm -hmm. financially. Right. And I know there's guys out there that have them. They're like, Oh, it's great. Okay. Well, we've run the numbers. It didn't make sense to me. So you must be working some gymnastics with your financials. $20 a shake. Right. (laughs) It's $40 to get a shake here because I have to go make it. So it just doesn't make sense. Right. So those are the things I think in, in our industry, a lot of people don't think about. So I would say, keep it simple and everything that you add complexity. What are the resources? Like you said, what's the labor resources mm-hmm. and everything, the allocation, right? How much time is it going to take for me to recoup my investment here or to, you know, get from zero to break even, whatever, if it's a new business, whatever those things are. So total resources, total time, volume, like how much volume, how many customers do you need? How much revenue are you going to need? Right. Um, next one is like adequate profit, like right. fourth would be profitability. Mm-hmm. So what's your profit margin? We just spoke to a smaller model like ours less overall revenue, much more, much more profit margin. But that also means less overall activity. And when I say activity, it means complexity and complexity is expensive and it's messy. So if it can be simple and clean and very profitable, that's the way you want to do it. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I mean by revenues is, is not Which so much top line. This, this is um, maybe a positive from COVID. I think you've talked to many people who, you know, had their businesses and everything was peachy for COVID and they had to get back in their businesses and everybody's numbers may be down just a little bit, but they're so much more efficient and their volume number or the revenue numbers are just better. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, you know, it's funny because we've been on this small group training bandwagon. It's, you know, we've been mainly teaching that to people through licensing, right? claiming it's the best line item vertical of revenue that we have and why it's so efficient and so great. It just doesn't work when you're trying to do five other things in the same room or in the same facility with it, right? It's too complex. But there's several gym owners, some we know really well, good friends, that have pivoted their model, gotten rid of what we call team, which is classes. Mm-hmm. And because they're studio-based, they're not a big gym, they've, they've uh, you know, again, eliminated classes and just gone to small group training, and they love it, right? So it's almost like they're running our franchise model, kind of, right, per our suggestion. And they're like, oh, it's amazing. It's so simple. It's so profitable. It's so clean. Coaching, you know. Mm-hmm scheduling code all the problem Mm -hmm. things that went away again it wasn't just do more of the complex stuff it was like a wholesale change of your business model to your point covid was the catalyst to actually do it because it's not easy right but there's times when that that's the solution right Mm -hmm. that's the whole point of this podcast is like listen maybe it's not all these other things maybe literally your business model just sucks and i don't care what you've got invested in how many cool things like you want to teach karate in the in the evenings to kids in your free team training space go for it but you know what best of luck to you Right. Is that really going to be worth it? All these things and not good at any of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And none of them are that profitable, right? right? Make a little here, a little there. And it's like it, you're just adding adding layers of complexity without a whole lot of profit. So, right. And then lastly is a superior return. And I think this really speaks to franchising. Is like if you go back to number one, like how much resources is it going to take to run this business model? If you were opening, say, brand new, what is your time, you know, a return on investment? And I think that would be the same thing we talked about a shake bar. You're going to put a shake bar in, run plumbing, do all those things. There's an upfront investment, right? right There's yeah. probably going to be labor around that and your time before you get it set up and running. You got to order some inventory, right? Yeah. It's got cost of goods sold. So when do you get a return on that investment? Like, yeah. like is it the 1,000th shake? Is it the 300? I mean, you should have answers to those numbers. And I think if you're opening a brand new business model, how how quickly can you get return on investment? And I know in the franchise world, this is kind of a duh, but I think in the regular gym world, these discussions don't happen no, maybe as much sound, as they should. It sounds like a lot of money without thinking yeah. about the other Crushing costs. it. Right. When I've talked to a lot of gym owners, it's like, you know, even even buddies of mine in the industry that do that are on the consulting side, and I think they say the average margins are like 12%. 
in the gym industry. I'm like, that's terrible. You know, I mean, listen, it's, it's good if you can make a living and maybe you're paying yourself a salary and you're still making 12% noble, you know, but I would not want to make an investment that had margins that low. Right. Unless it was, you know, I was doing like $80 million a year or something in total revenue. <laughs> yeah. Talking about some activity, right? But it's different. We're not talking about like our kind of, biz- our type of businesses are not going to get that kind of volume. Right. Hell, even Planet Fitness, which does a pretty high volume, right? Because they're the low cost champion mm-hmm. or the pioneer of yep. that. They're still at like nearly 50% margins in their gyms, right? So it's like, that's really important. To it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. The takeaway today is that profit margins are kind of important. So <laughs> you didn't know that. Now you know. Um, so again, is it, is it, is it not enough customers? You know, maybe you don't have enough customers. Maybe, right? Maybe you don't charge enough. Maybe you're sitting on the wrong business model. And so those are just the lenses that we, we would use. And I could tell you through experience, it was been a breath of fresh air, much more profitable, clean, simple business to move to this model. Um, but it still even took us psychologically a while to get there. Sure. Yeah. 30 years of stuff to throw out. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so here's the deal. If your business is struggling or you're looking to grow, you I would like you guys to at least look at your overall business model and try to disassociate yourself from the baggage and your sunk cost of what you've built up to now. Be honest with yourself. If it's too complex, you're going to want, you want something more profitable with less drama at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, one of the things, I mean, it's, we didn't even really, one of the things we looked at when we started this model is like, honestly, it was like, what is the best thing for the clients and kind of backtrack that way. <laughs> and then we yeah. kind of like kept them the longest, easier to easier serve and all those things. So, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is kind of important. I mean, that's a good point. Like, okay, what are our clients? What do our most successful clients do? Okay, they do small group training because it's more affordable than one-on-one. Check. But it provides all the same accountability tools and specificity of one-on-one. Check. It provides the group aspect and, and you know, the positives of being in a, in a group setting mm-hmm. and the accountability that comes with that and the motivation, right? So it kind of ticks all those boxes. Mm-hmm. And when we looked at it, it's like, okay, we're trying to, you open a business to solve a problem. That's it. And so there's a, we saw an open gap in the market where you've had population from 45 to 65 that was underserved or underrepresented by most fitness brands that were class-based. We saw that one-on-one could do it, but it just was so expensive and not scalable, even from a labor model. I didn't like the business model. I didn't think we could put it in enough areas because it's too expensive. So this was the sweet spot, right? Mm-hmm. And we knew intuitively that's the advantage of working with somebody that's been in the industry for 30 years. Those clients paid. They they paid more. They stayed longer, and they got the results that they wanted. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of where you should start, to your point. Like, you want to simplify everything. Like, What's the best thing for your customers? And then build a business model around that and quit adding complexity just to sound cool or to impress your colleagues in the industry. Like, keep it simple, man. So keep it profitable. Keep the drama down. Go make some money. Cool. Rock on. All right, brother. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, check us out at alloyfranchise.com for more information on the Alloy systems. Also, leave us a five-star review so we can spread the good word and help more people.